Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the AIP podcast on behalf of the AI Partnerships Corporation. My name is Anne. I'm from Supercharged Lab. And today we have the impeccable Chris Andrews with us, Chief Operating Officer and Head of Product at Rendered AI. Now, Rendered AI is a platform as a service for data scientists, data engineers, and developers who need to deploy and create unlimited customized synthetic data generation for machine learning and AI workflows, reducing expense, closing apps, and overcoming bias, security, and privacy issues when compared with the use or acquisition of real-world data. Now, Rendered AI moves the process of creating and exploiting synthetic data closer to business to the business uh, need by providing a collaborative work environment, samples, and cloud resources to quickly get started defining new data generation channels, creating data sets in high performance compute environments, and providing to, uh, tools to characterize and catalog existing and synthetic data sets. I'm super excited to have you here on the show with us, Chris. So tell us your backstory and tell us how you got involved with Rendered AI. All right. Well, thanks very much, Anne. I really appreciate uh, you and AI Partnerships having us uh, on the podcast. So it's, uh, it's pretty nice to be here. In terms of how I got involved with uh, with the rendered AI, I uh, my background was in the sciences. I started out uh, as a, uh, just as a student at the University of Rochester years ago, uh, where I got both a master's and bachelor's uh, in uh, in different types of sciences, biology, and then uh, geology as well. Uh, but I was always a hobby programmer, and I taught myself a mapping software called GIS, and uh, and those two skills really got me my first jobs, which were in startups in product development, uh, focusing on geospatial applications, first for, uh, for realtors and then for, uh, for real property assessors and things like that. The, um, also, I did crime mapping and other stuff early on. Uh, the, the, but when I say startups, the first one, I was employee number one. Uh, there were two founders, and then, then they added me. Uh, and they were a little ahead of the curve. We had customers and sales, but uh, but the, the market wasn't developed enough yet, and th their funding was uh, was purely like um, mom and pop angel funding. Uh, and then the second company was a spin out of a surveying company, and they didn't really understand the software model. From there, I went into enterprise consulting for about ten years, where I went to places like the Kennedy Space Center and um, and a variety of utilities around the country. Uh, traveled a whole bunch, uh, met my wife at a startup at that time where, where I was leading a, a consulting group into the startup. Uh, and, and actually, that was the first SaaS uh, application that I ever worked on, uh, and that was starting way back in 2000. So I've been in SaaS, PaaS-type uh, product efforts for a long time. Uh, eventually, I got tired of, uh, of being on the outside of the big product companies. And so I, to make a long story short, I spent the next 15 years uh, mostly splitting my time between about seven years at Autodesk as a product manager, uh, progressively going from you know, newbie product manager to leading, uh, leading product efforts for digital cities uh, and then even some film and game stuff. And I even uh, led a, a life sciences startup inside Autodesk, a molecular visualization startup. Then I switched over to Esri, uh, and Esri is uh, 
the largest geospatial company that uh, nobody's ever heard of. And I led, uh, led 3D product management there, starting off as an individual contributor and wrapping up by the time I left after seven years, uh, leading about a 20-person component of the product management team, which accounted for about a quarter of their product management. Um, I, I've, along the way, I've started a bunch of uh, products from scratch. I've uh, been involved in, in everything from like graphic design to uh, to business models to, uh, to to core product management stuff, and then I, I was kind of looking for a return to my roots, and I, I happened to um, to uh, see that a friend of mine got a role with a venture capital firm. I simply said congrats to her on LinkedIn, and she called me in a few minutes and basically had me then uh, interviewing with about a dozen different startups. I, I, uh, I really liked what Rendered had to offer because it was kind of the perfect synthesis of my background in product development, uh, product management, 3D, geospatial, simulation, lots of stuff that I've been involved with. That's amazing. And thanks for the story. Well, let's dive right in. We've talked a little bit about synthetic data, and it's a really well understood concept in the world of data science. But for our non-technical business leaders, could you help better explain what it is, how it can be used, and why is it important? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I might actually uh, debate you on how well understood synthetic data is in the world of data science. Uh, there are we we run into uh, teams all the time that still have they maybe barely heard of it or or they they didn't really know that it was was really a thing. So the easiest way to explain synthetic data is that it is fake data that emulates real data for purposes of training AI. Uh, there are two main different patterns for generating synthetic data. One you could kind of just loosely characterize as um, bootstrapping or randomizing from existing data sets. And the other is simulating the actual generation of data from scratch using uh, different types of modeling techniques. And then there are various blended versions of those in between. The whole point, though, is to give the data science user or the, the company that has a data science component of their business control over data sets used to train AI because the data is really what drives the, the efficacy, uh, the bias, and the, the kind of coverage of any AI algorithm. So if you, for example, are searching for blue elephants in Texas, and it's really hard to get pictures of blue elephants in Texas, if you can simulate those, then you can conceivably train an AI to look for blue elephants in Texas. And some of our users and others out there in the community have demonstrated that you can actually train an AI on synthetic imagery that has never been, uh, you know, that was never, nowhere near a real camera and then actually successfully go and detect things like blue elephants if they really do exist in the wild. So uh, synthetic data is, is, a, is a way of giving our users control over, over their AI. That's amazing. You also mentioned um, during our pre-call briefing that you're in the early innovation market. So what are some applications or use cases that Rendered AI has done so far? And how have you been able to help your clients generate value? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe a, a, an easy way to start with that is to back up and just describe that there are typically four different 
use cases uh, or problems that our customers encounter that we, we run into. One is uh, customers may not be able to get data for privacy or security reasons. Gartner uses the term radioactive data, and I love that, uh, or data radioactivity. Another is, in some cases, customers literally may not be able to get data at all because, for example, they're going to put up a satellite in two years and they will be collecting data in the future, but they'd like to have a bunch of systems ready to go before the satellite is even launched to start to process the data that's going to come off of it. Uh, we also find customers who have access to real-world data sets, but those data sets have intrinsic bias because, for example, uh, rare and unusual events don't happen that often in real-world data sets. And so you actually have to to, it's expensive or difficult or time-consuming to collect enough data with enough uh, enough uh, scenarios or circumstances that you're trying to train for uh, in those cases, and then data labeling. So the, the in the in traditional workflows, you collect real-world data and then you have to post-process it by labeling it. Um, what we have is a bunch of customers who have found that it's either expensive or or inaccurate, or both, uh, to try to label data to train AI. So those are kind of the four problems that we help our customers tackle. The 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 areas where our customers are our, our actual customers today are typically getting to value are rare events and edge cases. So object detection is uh, is an area where we have had um, probably most of our customers are are in that space in the earth observations realm and also in other uh, other computer vision realms so they're they're looking for rare stuff it's really expensive to get a whole bunch of satellite imagery or other other types of remote sensing data and so if they can train on synthetic data then that reduces the the overall cost uh, and burden to obtain all that uh, real sensor data we also um, offer our own simulators uh, and I'm using some terms that, that hint that we're in the computer vision space mostly. But we we also have access to some of our own simulators for things like synthetic aperture radar, which um, uh, are is a rapidly uh, expanding field of data collection, both up from the sky and on the ground. And synthetic aperture radar is radar. It is it, it gives you interferograms which are not really easily interpreted by humans. So it's really expensive or really difficult to get humans to accurately label synthetic aperture radar. But if you couldn't, can generate your own simulated synthetic aperture radar, then you know what's in the imagery as it's being produced. So you actually reduce the labeling burden. Um, so our, our customers are typically in, in those two areas of, uh, of detecting rare objects, and or uh, uh, getting synthetic data that's completely accurately labeled. And then we also do run into customers who are uh, looking to us to help them generate content that they simply can't acquire because it doesn't exist yet. Absolutely. Well, the, uh, that's really, really fascinating. And, um, you know, in, in light of the time that we have uh, it, that's passed by so quickly, maybe we can share with our audience how they could learn more about your solutions and reach out to you. Sure. Uh, the easiest way to find out more about us is to go to render.ai and uh, and if you are a data scientist or a computer vision engineer or even a project manager who's working with one of those folks and you just want to see what we have to offer, 
you can click a little get started button that's right up uh, in the, the front of the website and then that'll ask you some questions you'll, you'll be directed to a forum that'll ask you some questions about what kind of computer vision content you work with and what problems you're interested in and then you can actually just sign up and get access to our platform uh, we have uh, kind of a developer framework backend, but we also have a SaaS front end that allows data scientists to just drag and drop and configure synthetic data runs. Along with that access, you will get uh, a couple of emails, not many, with links to our support site, including documentation and then uh, getting started video and, and a few standard things like that. We don't, uh, we don't kill people with email at this point, um, so it's just intended to help you get started. Um, you can also reach me personally at chris at render.ai and, uh, and then we're, we will be at a series of uh, events over the next few months as attendees, as panelists, and then as, as, uh, uh, with booths, uh, including conferences such as the GeoInt conference uh, that focuses on Earth observations and its intersection with knowledge extraction from remote sensing information. So we'll be, we'll be at a bunch of different events like that. Sounds good. Well, Chris, what a thrill it's been to have spent some time with you, getting to know you. Thanks for your time so much. And to all the listeners, what a time it has been. Thank you for tuning in. Again, this is Anne on behalf of Supercharged Lab and the AIP podcast signing off. Thanks very much, Anne.